trust in Jesus, the cross and the empty tomb has radical implications on how you live. And one of the ways that the cross transforms the way that we live is now we are not conflict creators, we are peacemakers. Then you have to ask yourself, is that you? Are you a conflict maker or a peacemaker? Before you knew Christ, you naturally entered into conflict with other people. But as Pastor Daniel is going to show us in today's message, the work of Jesus on the cross happened to radically transform our lives here on earth and for heaven. Instead of a conflict maker, you are called to be a peacemaker. Pastor Daniel is going to get personal and ask you which one of those things you are. Do you make conflict with others or peace? Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 5 as he continues his message, The Beauty of Faithfulness. I've tried to read this quote as many times as I can because it's the best definition of peace that I've ever found anywhere. He said it this way. He says, we call it peace, but it means far more than mere peace of mind or a ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight. It's a rich state of affairs where natural needs are satisfied and natural giftings are fruitfully employed all under the arch of God and in his love. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. That's a powerful quote, isn't it? Now, I would read it again, but you, you're not going to write it down anyway. You can pick it up online, or I gave you his name, Cornelius Plantiga. You find it. Definition of peace. It's the best definition I ever heard, because we often think of a peacemaker as somebody who things are broken, and they're trying to get in there and help, or somebody who in the midst of brokenness has got like the Yoda calm, so to speak. But peacemaking in the Bible is about something totally different. It's the way a person who is a follower of Jesus lives inspired by the Holy Spirit that is seeking to remake the world in a way that the world is broken, to remake it, that everything works together in the way things ought to work. Now, when I use a definition like that, I realize that for most of us, you start freaking out because you're like, wow, we are so far from that right now. And listen, we are so far from that right now. There's never been a generation that has ever experienced shalom, like I just explained, except for Adam and Eve in the garden before they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the only time in the history of humanity that everything worked the way it was supposed to. Uh, Milton said it was paradise lost. But part of the story of Jesus is paradise being regained, reacquired. And what God is looking to do in your life and in my life, in this generation, is for that as we respond to Jesus, we become 
proactive makers of peace, all things working together the way that they should, universal flourishing on this side of eternity. That's what God has redeemed us for. See, to me, this is important because so often in church, we hear about Jesus, his death and his resurrection, which is the good news. But that good news now has radical implications on how you live your life. It's not enough to say, I believe in Jesus. He died and he rose again for me. And I am just as a maker of rivalry and conflict as somebody who doesn't know Jesus. See, the cross bears down on our realities. The cross bears down on the way that we handle ourselves in the midst of conflict. But for so many of us as followers of Jesus... We're allowing a world of conflict to now say, I believe in Jesus, but I'm just as conflict-creating as somebody who doesn't know Jesus, which is not the good news of Jesus. If you're here today, and I believe many of you are, where you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the cross and the empty tomb has radical implications on how you live. And one of the ways that the cross transforms the way that we live is now we are not conflict creators, we are peacemakers. Then you have to ask yourself, is that you? Are you a conflict maker or a peacemaker? Now, I know right now, I've been in a Christian long enough, been in church long enough that everyone's like, oh, I'm a peacemaker. Of course I am. I'm a Christian. Are you really? Like, how much discord are you finding yourself involved in? How much discord are you unilaterally creating in your relationships, on your job? See, what I find with, as a follower of Jesus, part of this is that I know the Bible well enough that I can have all these ways that I can justify being a conflict creator. Well, you know, I found my boldness in Christ, speaking truth to power. (laughs) Okay. So you have to realize... Your and my standard for living is Jesus. Now, what they said about Jesus, listen to this. A prophecy about Jesus, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. You know this. You've heard this Christmas time every year. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. Of his increase, of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, you get that, how Jesus, he's, he comes and he's all these things. He's the Prince of Peace. And the government will be upon it. He holds the government up. So in our peacemaking, we realize that all of us as the body of Christ with unique giftings and talents and passions all find avenues within this world to be proactive makers of peace. See, God doesn't want us to be monolithic in our peacemaking efforts. He realized that he's created all of us with unique talents and gifts that he wants to use that in every area of society, there are proactive makers of the way things ought to be. So 
the key for each one of us is what is that area of passion that you're pursuing that you are proactively making peace, changing the world in small ways that now all of a sudden the world is being transformed by Jesus through your life. All of us should have these areas. All of us should. None of us should say, there's not an area that I am working proactively to make peace. And here's the thing. In a lot of those areas, there is a lot of conflict. Like, I'm a big fan of people being passionate about politics. Right? I mean, people are going to be passionate about it anyway. I'm very concerned with the way as followers of Jesus, we hold that passion. Because the, the world we live in says, if you are have a political bent, you are only conflict-driven. And then that filters into the body of Christ where instead of being peacemakers, even though you have different visions on how the world should work, a Christian in the political sphere who's angry is useless. So we have to hold those politics and channel that passion in a way that we are still making peace even when we disagree with somebody on how it's supposed to work. So the key for each one of us, what are those areas of passion that God has for you? And are you proactively making peace? Are you saying, I'm going to invest my time and my energy, my talents and my treasures in areas of brokenness in this world in such a way that small changes occur? Now listen, many of us, we don't get involved at all because we feel like the, it's too big and I'll never get to anywhere. It's like, what can I do? Listen, Teresa of Calcutta said it this way. If you want to feed a hundred people who are starving, start with just one. We have to learn how to just be, take the step that we're on to do what's right in front of us. And don't despise the days of small beginnings. Don't, don't think that it's inconsequential to change one person's life. Don't think it's not worth your energy to try and do good for one person. Because what happens is, is you do good for one person and then they know somebody. And, they, and then before you know it, as you continue to walk in this peacemaking journey that God has you on, before you know it, you're like, I don't even know how I got here. Like there's a man named Jean Vanier and brilliant guy, but he saw in his generation, this was in the fifties, the way that they treated people with serious mental and physical disabilities. They were pulled away from society. They were kept like, they didn't want to infect other people. That was the way it was. And this man said, this is wrong. And so he decided that he was going to invite two of these men into his home because he wanted them to live with dignity and with community, right? And he called it the ark. In his heart, God was inviting him to save these people from the destruction of anonymity. And now across the world, there's 300 arks where all these people are. And obviously, as he did that, the culture has changed with the way it feels about people with disabilities. Not scared. Now it's like, these are our most vulnerable that we care for. But it began with one man taking a step with two guys. And now a generation later, there are tens of thousands of people who are being touched. And the influence of that, what he did, has influenced all these other things. But it began with one man choosing to do something that mattered. So peacemakers make peace. And listen, the greatest way to make peace is to be at peace with God. That's the thing. I've always said it. That's the downside of the hippie movement. 
The give peace a chance movement, it's the right idea, but if you don't have peace first with God and then the peace of God, you can't ever have external peace. So the good news of Jesus is the ultimate act of peacemaking, but then all of the implications of what it means to be at peace with God, that is all the reality of how we live our lives every day. So peacemakers make peace. And then we see again in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemaker for they shall be called what? Sons of God. So I'd say it this way, peace characterizes God's family. Peace characterizes God's family. Now, of course, I need to say it that when 2,000 years ago, when Jesus spoke these things, when it says, for they shall be called sons of God, this was still a time when people would think of mankind, speaking of all of humanity. Now we live in a culture that is sensitive to gender distinctions. So when in the Bible, when you say sons of God, it means sons and daughters of God, right? If Jesus said these words today, he'd probably say, these are the children of God. Right, Because now we live in a gender-neutral, sensitive environment. So when Jesus says the Son of God, he means the people of God. All of the, the family of God. It doesn't mean that only likes guys, none of that kind of stuff. Right? Because every once in a while people say, I can't read the Bible because it says sons of God and my brothers. And what about the women? It's like, oh, hello. You know? <laughs> but people get weird, you know? It's like it's an antique document. It's like this is from 2,000 years ago. They had a different set of things they were looking at. They weren't worried about that at this point. But it, what it means is that as men and women of God, those of you who are born again, who are children of God, you've been born again by Jesus, guess what? You should be a peacemaker. It's the characteristic of God's family. And this is a reality for all of us. Now, of course, it says in Isaiah 52, verse 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. So the good news of Jesus is the good news. We proclaim that peace. You know, it's been beautiful as we always do this each one reach one where people who are saying, these are people who I know and love who don't yet know Jesus. Some of you, you may have been written on that list that you got invited because somebody who cares about you says, I'm walking with Jesus and Jesus is doing a work in my life and I want this for my friends. I want this for my loved ones. I want this for my coworkers. And one of the reasons we do that is because we want us as a church family to realize that the ultimate act of peacemaking is Jesus on the cross. It is textbook peacemaking. Listen, if you look at any movement of reconciliation, whether it's racial, whether it's ethnic, whether it's based on gender, almost everybody, when they talk about the philosophy of reconciliation, will always use Jesus. You know why? Because in order for peace to be made, somebody has to be self-sacrificial. In areas of conflict, self-sacrifice has to happen. Somebody has to be willing to take it on the proverbial chin in aspects of reconciliation. If we were going to pray, and I think we should, that the U.S. government and its partisan polarization of Democrat and Republican would actually, oh my goodness, work together, like we teach ourselves in elementary school, work together. If that was going to happen, you realize that both sides need to take it on the chin. But you know what it is? Right as a Republican senator would work with a Democratic president, they'd get voted out of office the next go around. If a Democratic senator were to work with a Republican president, guess what happens in the next cycle? 
They get voted out of office. And my friends, this is why, this is where it is. Because in order for peace to be made, guess what? Someone has to be willing to sacrifice. And my friends, Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. You realize that the cross of Jesus, it's all about God saying, you, me, the world is broken. And in order to fix it, Jesus is going to stand in our place. The good news is not that Jesus got things wrong. The good news is that Jesus got everything right and he stood in our place and we get things wrong. And he dies for us even knowing that we still get things wrong. But he's like, I'm going to take it on the chin, so to speak. I'm going to receive what you deserve because you can't handle it. And someone needs to be willing to die so reconciliation can happen. I mean, you look at the civil rights movement. How many people took things on the chin for that? You look at any situation. I mean, you think of World War II. In order for the Jewish people still to be alive today, how many servicemen from all different nations gave up their life fighting Nazis? See, Jesus shows us that reconciliation and peacemaking is costly. And that's another reason why people don't do it today. You realize if you want to be a proactive peacemaker in the brokenness in your family, on your job, in this world, you have to be willing to die a little for it to happen. And when people don't follow the quintessential peacemaker, Jesus, you can't give what you don't have. You can't give it. Our culture doesn't value peacemaking at all because we don't have any models of it in our secular society. We don't have any models of it because we've divorced ourselves from Jesus. But for those of you who are here who are followers of Jesus, guess what? This is the journey we're on. And when I hear about church splits, this thing, that thing, I'm like, blessed are the peacemaker for they shall be called the family of God. So listen, we can't change other things, other people, but we all have control over us. How are you doing being a great example of a characteristic of the family of God? Are you proactively making peace? Are you willing to die a little bit so others may have life. This is the journey of what it means to live the beautiful life that Jesus died and rose again that we'd have. Now, to link it now with our fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of peacemaking is faithfulness. Now, think about how powerful that is for a second. Right? Because we see, blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called sons of God. And then you link it, the seventh beatitude with the seventh characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of peacemaking is faithfulness. Now, I think this is kind of powerful because when peace is not there, very often people want to make peace, but at some point they fatigue in the process. Right? Like if peace doesn't happen in a moment, right? Then finally, like, you know, forget this. It's not working. And then you link it this idea that the fruit of peacemaking is faithfulness. You and I need to continue to be steady on in the passion and the reality that making peace is costly and you have to be willing to continue to pay the cost. Now, think about this. In your own relationship with Jesus, how faithful has 
Jesus been to you? I mean, has anyone, when you gave your life to Jesus, on the day you said yes to Jesus, and God justified you, he put you at peace with himself, how many of you, every single day since then, you've been rock solid? Anybody? Anybody just like, yeah, every, I've been so rock solid every single, no, no one has been. But Jesus has been what? He's faithful. See, Jesus doesn't quit when it gets hard or when he gets tired. Jesus just keeps on showing up. And that's how peacemaking happens. You have to be willing just to keep on showing up. Good times and bad times. When you feel like it, when you don't. And faithfulness is in short supply in our generation, isn't it? People who can be faithful and steady on. Proverbs 28.20 says it this way. A faithful man will abound with blessings. A faithful person will abound with blessings. But how are you doing being faithful? Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. It says, if we are faithless, he is still faithful. Why? He can't deny himself. See, God is ever faithful. And he will always be faithful. It's who he is. And in order for peace to be made, faithfulness is a necessity. Now, here's the thing about faithfulness. The reason it's so easy to not be faithful is because faithfulness is hard. Because faithfulness costs, doesn't it? And do you see how powerful this is, though? Because, because it costs, that's what makes it so important. I mean, in order to be married to the same person through every up and down of life, that's a big cost, isn't it? All the wives are like, amen. Amen. I just hope to make it through football season. Right? There's a cost to it. In order to be a faithful friend, there's a cost to it. You know, I've heard it said, you'll know who your friends are by who's around when everything's going wrong. I mean, it's real easy to be a great friend when everything's awesome. When it's all going great, but when things are hitting the skids, then you really know who your friends are. And this is what faithfulness is all about. It's the ability to continue to abide and show up and be there even when things are bad. And my friends, listen, Jesus is the most faithful person who's ever lived. I mean, when a follower of Jesus makes terrible decisions, does Jesus ever just abandon them? Oh, I mean, you see, Peter denied Jesus, and then Jesus restores him and cooks him a meal. David dishonored God, but Jesus wasn't done with him. Now, here's the thing. Obviously, Jesus is perfect, and we are not. But God invites each one of us, although imperfect, just to keep showing up. Jesus is As followers of Jesus Christ, you and I are called to be people of peace. But what does it mean to be a peacemaker? In today's message, Pastor Daniel showed us that peace is so much more than circumstantial quiet. The Hebrew word shalom means so much more. Shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. As we follow Jesus, we're called to bring the world into alignment with God's purposes and His peace. 
Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel is going to get real with us about living as a Christian in a hostile world. Culture pressures us to conform to the world, but as followers, you and I are called to live in such a way that the entire orientation of our lives is toward God and His will. We do what Jesus says and don't make any excuses. Be sure to come back next time for some real talk about following Jesus. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Beautiful. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.